0: The American Psychological Association commissioned a survey of more than 3,000 adults just this past August, and the poll found that 72%, almost three out of four Americans, had felt stressed about money at some point during the previous month, including 22% who felt extreme stress about money during the same time period. Over, overall, 64% of Americans rated money uh, a somewhat or very significant source of stress in their life. But that percentage ticks up for certain demographic groups. Parents with kids under 18, 77% said it's extremely stressful. Gen Xers, your 30 and 40-something-year-olds, 76% said for them it was extremely stressful. And millennials, those in their 20s, Seventy-five percent said it's extremely stressful. So if you're under the age of 50, three out of four of you think that money is extremely stressful in your life. Do you know that there are more than 500 verses in the Bible that talk about prayer? There are 500 verses in the Bible that talk about faith. There are more than 2,000 verses in the Bible on the subject of money and possessions. In Scripture, Jesus told 38 parables and 16 of them talk about money. Money is one of the biggest stressors of our day and one of the most popular subjects in Scriptures. We ought to talk about it, don't you think? Amen. That's a muffled amen. We are beginning a new series today. The Blessed Life of Giving from the Heart, and it's about living a life full of God's blessing. One of the things I want want you to know right from the beginning of this series is this. God wants you to live free from the bondage and the idol of money. God wants you to live under a constant flow of blessings. And I hope as we journey through Scripture, it will become abundantly clear that God can be trusted, and He has created giving to help us. <laughs> He's created the whole idea of giving to help us root out those things in our life, like selfishness, greed, all kinds of bad things. I'm, I've looked forward to this, this series. I am excited about the next seven weeks. Because the whole idea of giving is one of God's great gifts to us as his followers. Now, I want to start with a scripture that doesn't seem to fit the subject. Okay? And it's found in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2. Let me read it. It says, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. He's talking about your heart here. He's talking about the condition of your heart. He's talking about life in Him and His life flowing in us will will not exhibit itself in a critical spirit. I want you to remember the first and last phrases there because I'm going to read a famous verse in just a minute, but you're going to miss the depth of its meaning if you don't understand the context in which it appears. Over in uh, Luke 6, we have a parallel passage to this one in Matthew. And look at the first phrase of Matthew 6, 37, if we can put it up there on the board. It says, um, do not judge and you will not be judged. Sound familiar? And then in the last phrase of Luke 6, 38, it says this, for by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you In return, they're the same two sentences recorded in that parallel verse in Matthew. It's talking about your heart, the condition of a person's heart. Don't judge, or you will be judged. Whatever is in your heart will dictate that which comes back to you. And so, with that being the context for this kind of famous money verse, let's read all of Luke 6 37 and 38. Do not judge and you will not be judged. And do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Give, and it will be given to you. You've seen two negative things and two positive things. Don't judge or condemn, but do pardon and give. And they will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. So the deeper meaning of verse 38 is all about the condition of the heart. And most of the time this verse is used with money, but it, it really means that the condition of your heart determines what happens in your future. It's all about the heart. If you have a heart that is, is quick uh, to judge and be critical of others then there's going to be this coming back to you of, of critical spirit of judgment in good measure and pressed down and shaken together. If you are humble of heart and exhibit kindness to others around you, that comes back to you in increased measure. He uses the word pardon in this verse, which actually means to release from obligation. The debt has been satisfied. You don't owe me anything. Many verses, uh, translations... Uh, Translate the word forgive, forgiveness. So is your heart today one that is quick to forgive? Or or, or do you demand justice? That people pay? If you're here today and you would describe your life, perhaps more of, you know, I just feel like things are happening to me all the time. One thing's coming at me, another thing's coming at me. And I guess if you had to, Uh, weigh the options between living under blessing or under a curse, you'd probably take the curse sometimes. That just describes where I'm at. And if you find yourself today uh, always feeling like you just are getting it and taking it and it's always coming back at you, the first place to look is at your heart. We're, We're prone to look outside and say, if everybody else would just... Straighten up. (laughs) You ever feel that way? If everybody else was if everybody around me would straighten up, my life would be a whole lot better. If the circumstances of my life would just change. And here's the real popular one. I'm just always under attack. I'm always under attack. Look inside. What is is God wanting to do? How is he wanting to release his power and his spiritual presence in you more fully and completely? He wants to mold our hearts so that we are people quick to forgive, not offended, kind, loving. And when it comes to giving, uh, if the heart's not right, everything gets out of whack. You give for the wrong reasons and it doesn't turn out the way the Bible says. And I'm not cheerful about it. There's a great passage in the book of Deuteronomy that will serve as one of our texts today. and um, There are some that may say, you know, we ought not use the Old Testament when it comes to the subject of giving because it's all about the law and we live under grace now. Well, let me say a few things about that. Um, First of all, the Old Testament is uh, where the law is given, but that's not what the entire Old Testament is about. It's about many other things, and God has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Old Testament gives us good foundation for the understanding of grace and the new covenant. The Old Testament sets this minimum requirement for righteousness. And what happened was that people realized how difficult it was to live up to even the minimum requirements. We've we've read the scriptures where the Pharisees and all these folks are trying to live up to these uh, letters of the law and trying to justify their righteousness by how good they can behave. Well, then here comes Jesus. And when Jesus came, what did he do? He just piled on more (laughs) and more and more. Instead of just refraining from adultery, well, Jesus says now not to even look at a woman with lust in your heart. Instead of just refraining from committing murder, now Jesus says you ought not even be angry with your brother. Instead of giving 10% out of an obligation, some kind of law-based obligation, now it's 100% of everything is God's. (laughs) And you are to cheerfully use His resources to strategically bring down the strongholds of the enemy. So just imagine you're 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 one of these people that's lived all your life trying to obey the law, trying to justify your righteousness, and uh, you're listening and and you're just struggling, and now you hear Jesus say all this, and uh, you go, I couldn't do that. Doing that, that's impossible. And that's the point. Your flesh, <laughs> uh, the old you. It doesn 't have the ability to live a righteous life it doesn't have a, a ability to live the way God wants you to live and 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 Jesus knows that, and so what does he do? His wonderful grace comes and he says i 'll give it to you i 'll give you a life that's so beautiful i 'll give you a life that uh, will give you the power and the presence of the of god 's very nature in you, and you 'll be able to live the life that you only ever thought dreamed you just dreamed of, you never thought possible. The very, the very life of Christ is placed in the heart of the believer. And living from him, a person finds that they are able to live the life that they never thought possible. Do you know today that the life of Jesus living in you can set you free from the bondage of money? Did Jesus die on a cross, rose rose from the dead, and come down in the Spirit and fill your life so that you can be in bondage and in a prison when it comes to money? I'm here today to tell you that Jesus can make money and giving one of the most joyful, fun things in your entire life. Amen. So we go over to... Deuteronomy 15 and 7 and 8. Look what it says. If there is a poor man with you, one of your brothers in any of your towns, in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart. Heart. (laughs) Nor close your hand from your poor brother, but you shall freely open your hand to him and shall generously lend him sufficient for his need in whatever he lacks. He starts by saying to not let your heart get hard when you encounter the poor. It's it's all about the heart again. So how do you view a brother who is poor going through a difficult time? Has, has your heart been hardened where you see somebody that's like that? You automatically think, they, well, they're living the product of their bad choices. <laughs> they made their bed. They better lie in it. It's all right to say that about your kids. But, you know... Um, Or do you think that maybe God has strategically placed resources in your care that He wants to use to minister encouragement into that person's life? And you're only going to know that. How? (laughs) By drawing upon the life of the Holy Spirit in you. (laughs) Through prayer, through constant communion with the life of the Spirit in you. And so my first point is this. uh, We need to deal with a selfish heart. We need to deal with a selfish heart. Why is it that I don't want to give? Why is it that I'm reluctant to give? Why is it that I think if I give, I'm going to have less? If I, if I bless others, then I'm going to be without. If, if I think that giving is a loss, not a gain. Look what verse 9 says. He says, Beware that there is no base, <laughs> that is, earthy, almost evil, thought in your heart, saying, the seventh year, the year of remission, is near. And your eye is hostile towards your poor brother, and you give him nothing. Then... He may cry to the Lord against you, and it will be a sin in you. <laughs> the attitude in this verse is so telling. You know, it was the Jewish custom that every seventh year, what happened to debt? It was just wiped out. And so you've, you're a person of means, and your, your neighbor comes to you, and uh, you know that there's, to be a righteous person, that you ought to lend, help him out. And your mind begins to think, you know, we're six and a half years into the cycle. Uh, it's only six months until that seventh year. I don't think I've got the money to lend you today. If it was the first year of the cycle, now I could lend that to you because I'm probably going to get it back. Before that seventh year where all the debts are wiped out and I have to forgive it. He says that's a base thought. That's an earthy, evil thought thought of how you can get out of helping someone. Now, well, that's one of the excuses of the day. How many of you would like to actually institute that every seven years all debts are wiped out? Would that be all right? I don't think it's coming back anytime soon, actually. Uh, but don't we have our own a set of excuses why we ought not to lend, why we ought not to help, why we ought not to give. We have our own set of excuses. Tithing, it's Old Testament. Well, guess what? It is. <laughs> it's Old Testament. But if you use it as your excuse to be selfish, I don't think so. I love the way Randy Alcorn puts it in uh, The Treasure Principle. He says, tithing is like training wheels. It's like training wheels. It kind of gets you in a habit. It gets you uh, learning. Um, but can you imagine uh, going to somebody who's an adult, been riding a bike for years, and you say, we're going to put training wheels back on you. We're going to send you all the way back to the beginning. Well, It's silly. Tithing isn't some great weight that you're now relieved of. It's something that you just don't need anymore. It's gone. You've moved on. You've learned. You've you've grown in the the Lord. It's it's not about some law-based percentage. And the sad thing is, folks, that no matter what your particular or anybody's particular excuse is, the, the person is being robbed of wonderful blessings of God. When they find a loophole, a way out, So I come back to one of my original questions. Why did God create giving in the first place? Does God need to create giving or He's just going to be a, a poor God and just not have the, the resources He needs to accomplish what He wants to do? I don't think so. Is God standing up there wringing his hands hoping that he'll get something out of you today? (laughs) He created this whole thing of giving in order to deal with our hearts. And I've got to tell you, much of the preaching on Luke 6.38 is centered on that first phrase, give and it shall be given to you. Preachers will say, see, right there it says, if you'll give, I can promise you some kind of return on your investment. You know, you think about that. Can you imagine God in heaven hearing that and saying, how wonderful, my people are getting the whole revelation of what it means to get. (laughs) When when in reality, the whole thing, the whole idea of giving was God's way to, to root out that greed and selfish heart. And yet sometimes it's preached in a way that actually feeds selfishness. Luke 6.38 is not the motivation for giving, it's the reward for giving from the right heart. The second point that's made in Deuteronomy 15, it says, uh, deal with a grieving heart. Deal with a grieving heart. He says this in verse 10, "Uh, you shall generously give to him and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all your undertakings. Sometimes people feel strongly that God is placing on their hearts to give in some certain way for whatever certain reason. And they look at their checkbook and they see that they, well, I can't really afford to do it. Or they're going to have to set aside that new thing that they want. and, And as they give, they, they see their giving as a personal loss. And what do we do over the losses of our life? We grieve. We grieve. And so our heart is heavy as we give because we see giving as loss. Now, sometimes God will just challenge us to give in ways that's going to require His intervention And isn't it exciting to live life in such a way that God's intervention is required? (laughs) That's faith. Believing that my God has led me to do something, put it on my heart, and I will step out in faith, believing that if He has led me to it, He's given me that in my spirit that He will provide for that, which He's called me to. When you're generous, what does it say? The Lord your God will bless you in all your work. And in all your undertakings. I mean, it couldn't be any more plain that there is a blessing being ready to be poured out. And your giving is that visible expression of the deep life of Christ in you. It's the test. It's the great test to see what's going on in here. One way to make sure your heart doesn't grieve when you give is to realize your place in all of this. And I think sometimes we really get mixed up where our place is in all of this. I mean, think of it this way. Let's say that, uh, let's say I gave a hundred bucks to somebody here today that I'm going to go to lunch with. I gave him a hundred bucks. I says, you know, I'm not going to bring my wallet. And so I want you to hold this hundred dollars for me. And when I get to the restaurant, I'll get it from you. And then we get to the restaurant and He gives me the $100. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Is his heart grieving over giving me that $100? No. Why not? Because it's not his. It never was his. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? Same is true of your money, of my money. It's not ours. It never was ours. And you see, when we realize that, God's money and giving God's money in ways He wants you to just make sense. God will use money in all kinds of ways. He'll use money to root out stuff in our heart, but He'll use resources to be his tools sometimes to advance the kingdom of God, to encourage a believer, to help someone, to bring blessing where there's been lack. It's his tools that he wants to strategically use to forward the kingdom of God. And when we begin to see that, that God has put in my charge this pot of money in order to strategically use to not only bless my family, but to bless others, to build the church. I just want to know, God, what do you want me to do with it? It's his money. The third thing it talks about in Deuteronomy 15 is this. Develop a generous heart. We've moved from dealing with those things to now developing. Develop a generous heart. He says this in verse 14. You shall furnish him liberally from your flock and from your threshing floor and from your wine vat. You shall give to him as the Lord your God has blessed you. Find out what the need is and then just give more, he says. It says to furnish him liberally from your wealth that God has given you. It's difficult in this day and age of abundance to get to that place that everything belongs to God. We want to say it's mine. It's one of those first words we use. My grandkids have been here this week and I've heard mine. (laughs) The humble heart says it's all God's anyway. I just want to know from him what he wants me to do with that. In Luke 6, where it was talking about the pressed down, shaken together, and running over Scripture, look what it says a few verses up from that. Luke 6, 30, Jesus is talking. He says, give to everyone who asks of you. Whoever takes away what's yours, do not demand it back. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. Love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great And you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And the message is this, why don't you just be like Dad? (laughs) Jesus is describing his life. He's describing the kind of way he lives. And he's saying, my life is the life that's going to live in you, that's in you, I'm a giving God, and if I'm living in you, I'm going to be giving through you. Your Father in heaven is a generous God. The fourth point is this. It goes right hand in hand with a generous heart, is a grateful heart. Develop a grateful heart. We love because He loved us. He gave so much for us. How could... How how could we not lavishly give? When we remember all that he has done for us, all that he has given to us, how could we not freely give? Verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this today. We read in the communion part of the service that forgetting has detrimental effects on our life. Remembering what He has done, what His grace has ransomed us from, the price that has been paid. So deal with a selfish, grieving heart. Develop a generous, grateful heart. under grace, that we're filled with. uh, Giving is not to be an activity that is done out of duty or compulsion. It's just to be the expression, the natural expression of Christ's life in you. He gave freely. He gave his life freely. And when his life takes up residence in you and I, he will still be giving freely (laughs) through us. What's he saying to your heart today? How how you handle money, both in attitude and action, actually does open up a revelation to where your heart is. Jesus said it himself, wherever you put your treasure, what's also going to be there? You put your treasure here, your your heart follows after, it says. If your treasure is about you and the world, that's where your heart is going to be. Sometimes people say, you know, I I, I really look forward to the day when I can be financially free. I'm telling you, today can be that day. Today can be that day. Being financially free doesn't mean you have enough. It means that you're no longer bound under its control. Turn your hands, you've taken your hands off of it and you are free. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for your word of that has spoken to my heart this week. And I, I thank you, Father, for your word that brings truth to us and Father, as we, we digest your word and we understand the life that we've been given, we understand the grace of God, I pray, Father, that there wouldn't be any uh, legalistic type of thought that develops in our heads that, oh, I need to do better. It's not about changing the behavior as much as it is looking deep inside and saying, what is it, what's in my heart, Lord God, that makes me fearful. Where's, Where am I trying to take care of things instead of trusting in you? Father, in these moments, would you just look into our hearts and speak deeply? We don't want any barriers. We don't want any roadblocks in the way of what you want to do in us. So, Father, would you just come, come, flow your fountain of goodness and mercy and grace that we may know your thoughts, your ways. I want you to stand together. I want us to sing this hymn.